Here it's pouring rain here in New Haven. I've got a great guest today, and you know normally I have guests on Fridays, but this is such a special guest that I wanted to have him on today because he's going to be performing in Brantford on Friday um, as part of um, uh, uh, the Blue Plate Blues Plate Radio folks at Tankus and them. So Marcus Anderson is on the phone, just back from Japan. He's an extraordinary uh, musician and. And I believe he sings because I was listening to all his music yesterday. So I think that's him singing too. So, so good morning, Marcus. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Can't <laughs> complain. Uh, just getting my day started, and I'm getting it started with you. Now, where are you? Because you were in Japan. Because when Ed Tankus was coordinating this conversation, he was like, "Well, Marcus is in Japan," and so then I found your Facebook page, and there you were in Japan. Hanging out with your your uh, fellow musicians and chatting it up. So you're back in town. You're back in the states. Yeah, yeah, I'm home. I'm back in Carolina right now. Uh, getting ready to move in like four weeks, and then I'm preparing for like another trip, long trip. So I'm, it's a lot going on right now, and I just did laundry. So <laughs> <laughs> now we're in Car- South Carolina, right? You're you're a native South Carolinian, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a native South Carolinian, but I live in um in North Carolina right now. I'm in uh, Central North Carolina, uh, Raleigh Durham, the Raleigh Durham area. Oh, okay. So that's my home. I'm here, and then um then I'm out. You know, coming up to you guys' area. So uh, then next week, my uh, my daughters have spring break, so we'll be off enjoying that, having a good time. <laughs> that sounds good. That's a good idea. So. So tell me about yeah. this music that you play because I listen to you have a new CD out, new CD out, limited edition, right? That's mm-hmm. the, and so then yeah. yesterday I went back and I listened to just about everything. I listened to the spiritual stuff. I listened to I mean I went back and listened to just about everything and you are quite talented. <laughs> quite talented. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. So, how how did you get started in this music game? Like, were you like, did your parents make you go to music school? Like, how do you how do you become you? What's that story? Uh, I mean, school helped tremendously with a lot of my, I guess, my musical upbringing. But I think it was more so 
like just my parents, you know, engulfing me in so much different types of music. And a lot of it started with Motown, a lot of the music from there and people that were on there, you know, Smokey Robinson, uh, let's see, the Jacksons, mm-hmm. you know, the other people like Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. you know, James Brown, all those different people I was exposed to, Otis Redding, you know, Marvin Gaye, like it was a lot of different music. And then as I got older, I started listening to other styles of music, other genres. And I was checking out, you know, John Mayer. A lot of the stuff he was doing was really, really cool. Because I was in high school, and I was like, who's this John Mayer guy? You know, who's Dave Matthews' band? And it was different. You know, it was like, this is kind of out of the norm. And, like, musically, I was just getting tired of, like, hearing the same thing. I needed something different. Mm-hmm. And I started checking out country music. <laughs> so, and then country went from... You know, to like rock and roll, to like alternative, to, you know, other different styles of jazz, you mm-hmm. know, not just smooth jazz, not just contemporary jazz. I mean, I play, you know, in a format that puts me in jazz, but then I listen to so many other different genres to create my music. So it's just a plethora of things like this. Not one place to where the uh, the musical understanding comes from. Aside from it being a God-given gift, you know, a lot of it's just a bunch of influences. Now, you come from a big family, so everybody is everybody musically inclined? Yes. Wow. Seven seven siblings, right? If I'm correct. Seven siblings. And yes. all of y'all are uh, yeah. musical. <laughs> yes. So we're playing some yes. of your music in the background. And what song is this, Harry? Yes. We're playing some of your music underneath this conversation because it's so it lends itself to that. Uh-huh. So, so we're listening to it. So now, when I'm listening to you, I get the sense that um, you really could play in the pop world. Does that cross your mind mm-hmm. ever? Yeah. Um pop um when i hear the word pop i think popular music so mm-hmm. you, you're talking about that then yes <laughs> uh, i love you know popular music uh depending on the artist you know i really love like what's out uh i really dig bruno mars i really do i like what he's doing i like stuff that he puts out i like uh i like usher usher is really uh probably one of my favorite artists oh really uh, he's probably a nut yeah, Neo Neo's definitely a favorite of mine too. I really love um Justin Azuka. He hasn't came out with anything like recently. Mm-hmm. But he is really good. And Nick Jonas got some really <laughs> cool stuff. That's a that's a nice yeah. little uh Nick we like Nick Jonas over here too. So so when yeah. you are thinking about music, Marcus, because you can't because you have played with so so many folks and I believe you played with the the late great prince, right? You were part of the mm-hmm. power generation. Power generation. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, played the power generation. Yes, the new power generation. So you know, Prince is like, I guess. I mean, if there had to be a a, a, a pinnacle, that would be it. I think. Is that like for a musician playing with somebody like a prince is probably at the top, top, top tier yeah. of the game? I would. I would say, yes, that's uh, in a musician's mind and probably like in other people's too. Like when you play with Prince, it's like, where else do you go? Like in my mind, I know where to go from there. But in that moment, it's like, yo, I got a gig with Prince. (laughs) He taught me out. 
and have someone get in touch with me and say, I want that guy. Like, I don't know how anyone else will react to that. Like, but to me, that is like the most humbling experience ever. Mm -hmm. Like out of all the people in the world, you chose me. You mean out of the thousands, tens of thousands of saxophone plays in the world, you notice me and you want to play with you. Okay. And it's just like, <laughs> it's still hard for me to kind of believe and understand, you know, that Prince, I mean, like he's worked with the best of the best, you mm -hmm. know, he's very selective in who he chooses. And, you know, I just felt like one day he was going to wise up and be like, ah, I made a mistake by choosing Marcus. <laughs> so uh, year one would go by. I'm like, all right, he's going to figure me out. He's going to find out I may not be what he thought I was. Year two goes by. I say he's getting close. He's going to think the same thing again. He's going to he's going to figure me out. Year three goes by. He's, he's going to figure me out one day. He's going to think, <laughs> you know, up to four years. You know, so uh, I came to the realization when we had a conversation that you know everyone was chosen for a reason to be there. He understood like my way of playing the style, my way of playing the saxophone, and the style of playing the saxophone was exactly what he liked. You know, it fit him. I almost mm -hmm. like buying a certain pair of shoes. You know, I like this style of shoe. You know, I was his style of musician. Wow. So, do you think you learned anything about work ethic from the great prince? Because the people oh, that yeah. I know that worked with him says he's, he had an amazing work ethic. He does. He, uh, or he did. He never stopped. You know, he was. it was always something to work on, which is great. You know, uh, I like that mentality. I like, like, all right, cool. There's always something to work on. So there should really not be any, like, downtime of, like, noodling and playing through other stuff. Like, he's given us assignments to work on. Mm -hmm. I mean, he has thousands and thousands of songs. And we have to get through all these songs in order for us to play them. <laughs> so if we're on stage and we're noodling, we're messing around, he comes in the room like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, if why are we kind of horsing around playing music it's like there's so much music to learn and uh i don't know he was just he had a way of just really being effective in rehearsals because we could spend days days on a, like a set list or days on one part of a set list you know just to create it and well not create it, but just to get it tight and rehearse it and get it to where it's second nature like how you know your name mm -hmm. um so I, I really learned about how to rehearse a band and really how to get a show tight. Like, we played one groove for, like, 20 minutes one time. And that's a short, that's a short time. Because <laughs> it was like we just needed to play the same groove over and over to make it to where, like, man, we don't even think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. To where it's just in our head. It's second nature. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just thought we'd play it. Because most artists you go, you work with, they, um, they'll play a song. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, all right, we'll get through it. You rehearse it. But like he was there, like no, we'll just play the song with groove, we'll jam on it, and that um, and then he would change it up on us, and it's like you gotta be ready for that because I may do that in the show. So he and found thought, oh, you as a jazz musician, like you were a already bona fide jazz musician, and he heard you and said, "I want mm -hmm. this guy." <laughs> that is correct. Okay, and you're still a bona fide jazz guy, right? Like this is your <laughs> genre, smooth jazz. With a little bit of yeah. R&B, kind of. Like old school R&B, though, not too much. Doesn't sound like the stuff that we hear now actually, as R&B. Actually, the other way around. It's uh, it's a lot of uh, R&B and everything else with a little bit of smooth jazz. I just play an instrument, and they put me in jazz. Oh, really? 
yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't. When I was writing music, I'm like, I'm not thinking like I'm writing this smooth jazz. I'm just thinking I'm writing music. I'm writing the sound. And then um, because I play an instrument, I will forever be putting smooth jazz. Now that's just not saying that I don't like you know smooth jazz or I'm not you know accepting the genre. I'm just saying I'm trying to reach the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and our world of jazz is a small market, but I'm trying to reach people in R&B and pop and soul and everything else. I'm trying to bring them into our world and what we have going on in the, in the jazz genre. Okay. And you sing, too. Now, as a singer, do you write the songs that you sing or or do you sort of pick and choose the kind of stuff that you sing? Because I was listening and I'm thinking, I'm digging a lot of this, right? Like, you you have a really nice voice. Thank you. Yeah, I, I do sing on a um, a few of my works. Uh, sometimes I may get someone else to sing. Like I have a twin brother who sings on a lot of my stuff sometimes. And then I'm working on a lot of his music. Uh, I feature him more on live shows than I do on my albums. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to help him to uh, complete his new record right now. And then I work with a couple other singers and vocalists too. You know, uh, sing on my records. So, so let's go back to Japan. So, so how was that experience? Because I know the Japanese have a have a phenomenal love of um, Western musicians, particularly jazz musicians. Like they they probably are the ones that are solely holding up uh, the jazz genre of music. What was that experience like? Incredible, really, just incredible. They love music over there. Like I don't. I don't know what it is, but their appreciation of it, they mm-hmm. show it. Mm-hmm. They express it more. You know, here, I believe people love music and they enjoy music. But over there, they love it, they enjoy it, and they express it so much. Like, you're in a venue to where there's seats. is a seated venue. You know, Billboard Live is where we were at. So, in Billboard Live, you know, you got seats everywhere. People stood up the whole time. Just like, I don't care if you're sitting down. I don't care if this person's sitting up. The person beside you was standing up and joining the show from the very first note to the very last note, like they stood up the whole entire time. It was amazing, you know, and they just wanted encore after encore. And they couldn't get enough of it. It was like it was a drug to them. Wow. It was amazing. So this concert was a whole bunch of other um, um, artists as well that was a part of this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, um, a bunch of the members from uh, the New Power Generation uh, Prince Band. And we ended up doing a tribute show for him over in Osaka. We did uh, two shows in Osaka, and we did eight shows in Tokyo. Oh, okay. So what was that like? So how does that feel? Because, and I don't want to spend all my time talking about um, the great one, Prince. Um, but um, it's it's been a year since his passing. And, and mm-hmm. his music is as pos- popular as it has ever been. And we don't seem to... I mean, I think we're all still in mourning of that. So what was it like to sort of go play his music without him? Uh, it was therapeutic. Oh, uh, I got to okay. relive a lot of the moments playing the music and playing the songs. And whenever I play a Prince song, I'm always thinking of him. It's always a reminiscing moment. Very nostalgic is what I can say. And I just enjoy just playing the music, listening you know, to everyone respond to the music as if he's there. Now, Prince, there'll never be another Prince. Mm-hmm. But the music, the vibe of it, all of it still has the same uh, impact, I think, on people. And I, I think I enjoyed seeing that most. So for me, it was very therapeutic to be, see people enjoy it 
and to relive a lot of those moments with the band that I, you know, we toured with. So it was amazing. Wow. Okay, so so did all of y'all come together? You, Judith Hill, and all the other folks that were part. Was she a part of that? Like, is she? No, what, uh, she wasn't a part of this one. There are several other uh, members that, you know, do different parts of Prince show. So you may see, like, another group from the MPG doing something, and I may not be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like me, Judith Hill, and Lev Warfield, and Shelby J, they all are solo artists. So their schedules may not line up to be uh, to be able to do a lot of these shows. But that's kind of cool that it was so many of us that worked with him because at any moment, like if one person is available, we can call the next person and everybody can kind of fill in the slots and we can still make, you know, shows happen and still relive his memory. So, okay. So I'm going to leave Prince right there. And we're going to talk a little bit more about you. So the first time you got your one of your songs or your album on the Billboard charts, where were you and what was that like? Hmm. That is a good question. <laughs> I think <laughs> it was I think it was my now record, uh, my now album that was released. Was that 2011? Mm-hmm. It was 2011. And I think it was the song 85 to 95 that charted. I think I got his maybe highest, like maybe 21 on the Billboard Jazz charts, which is really cool because I'm an independent artist. I've always been independent. I've never had a record label. Um, so really? Feel like I got, yeah, yeah, I've always been an independent artist. Everything that we've done has always been in-house. So we, uh, I don't know, record labels weren't interested in me uh, back in the day, but Doggone if they ain't knocking now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um we did uh we tried on on Billboard at like twenty one. Mm-hmm. And I think for me it was it felt like a major accomplishment because just being an independent artist, like, man, how did how did I, you know, do this? And by me I mean how did my team and everybody, uh, how did we do this? How did we make this happen? And like, aren't you supposed to be on a label? So when I or we accomplished that goal it was like, all right, hmm, let me see what else I can do here. So I just kept playing, um, playing music, putting it out to radio and, you know, trying to fit into the format or a few of the songs to make it and have it make sense to where like, oh, this is how you get to here. This is how you get to there. And then each time I put out a single, we'd get a little higher and higher until I eventually got a number one, you know. Wow. So you play the sax and the flute and you arrange and you sing and you dance. <laughs> yes. So now, do you do you love the sax and the flute equally, or or do you do you get to sort of say, well, I like the sax a little bit better than the flute, or I like the flute a little bit better than the sax? Can you? So I know it's like children. The, uh, I'm sure it's like yeah, loving your children. The day and, and the weather, you know, what's the temperature outside, and what's the wind speed, and. <laughs> Uh, what did I eat for lunch that day? It's like, it depends on, depends on how I'm feeling. Like, <laughs> someday I'm a sax man. Another day I may be a flute man. Or another day I may be a piano or a bass man. So it just depends. Wow. There's no, uh, there's no one set thing. Because I don't get tired of playing the saxophone. I just like want to change it, change the scenery. Like, you're, you're not going to eat, you know, Chick-fil-A every day or Olive Garden every day. <laughs> you know, I just, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like playing an instrument is a, re- is a required taste. 
You know, some days I may not even want to just play my horn. I may just want to sing all day, mm-hmm. you know, which I do that anyway. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's an acquired taste. So know, so when you're thinking about when you're thinking about pulling together an album, do you think about um, do you think about who you want to pick? Do you think about the? Do you already have like songs in your mind? Um, do you think about like, how do you go about creating the the music that you create i listened to the inspiration um uh music yesterday in my office and i was so mm-hmm. moved because i love jazz gospel music or jazz inspirational music i mean I, I will say gospel music and it was so beautifully done and i was so moved by it and i was like if i had to get any cd i think that would be the one that i would get because it just seems so um so connecting to me so how do you decide when you want to do that kind of cd versus you know one with a little bit more r&b kind of vibe to it how do you how do you think about that what's the process in my mind there's uh there's ideas that i have of stuff that i want to do that i've just been there for a while mm-hmm. uh, because i'm one person and because there's only 24 hours in a day and i need sleep <laughs> I can't I can't do everything at one time and I don't want to like oversaturate, you know, my market. So I just I try to execute every album, you know, as I go throughout the years and that's why one year you may see me releasing three albums or two albums instead of an album every two years or something like that cuz uh once I achieve a goal with one album, I'm already on to the next one even really before I finish that one album. Because yeah, all these ideas have been in my head for a very, very long time. And now I have the means and the resources to be able to put them out. So it's almost like a dog that's been, you know, I hate to say like a dog, but like an animal or a pet that's been in the house all day. And it's like you finally come home and you let them out. They just want to run. They don't care where they're running. They just want to run as fast as they can outside <laughs> because they're so excited. They have the freedom and the space to do whatever they want. And the first thing they want to do is run. Well, for me, it's like that with music. It's like I have the freedom, I have the ability, I have the know-how, I have the resources to just create music and put it out. So why wouldn't I? You know, it's like most people wait, you know, a year or two, but because of technology and the way that everything is set up, it's very, uh, I don't know, it's very easy to create an album and it not cost, you know, (laughs) $50,000, you know. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The technology now, I mean, I think the technology lends itself now to more artists being much more independent than ever in the history of music, right? Because people can do their own thing without benefit of a, a label, and you're a good example of that. And a few other people, too. Yeah, and I think I probably learned that from Prince, too. Like, he just put out music whatever he felt. Mm-hmm. Like, in my mind, it's like, all right, I want to do this album, I want to do this country album, I want to do this love album, I know I want to do you know, R&B solo album, I want to do a vocal album, I want to do a Christian CD, you know, I want to do my original music. So already, like, I have, you know, six unreleased albums in my hard drive or in my uh, my archive, like, right now that, you know, I've already completed that I just haven't released yet. Mm-hmm. Be- but because of, you know, trying to do things in time and not do too much and over-saturate myself, I just release them a little bit at a time. So a lot of this music that I've done, I've already completed. Uh, even this album, like I did a lot of these songs uh, prior to uh, this year of releasing. I've been working on a lot of these songs for years. 
you know, until like now it's time to birth them. And then that's when, you know, I put them out and then they all kind of come together. Some songs I may have written, you know, weeks before and other songs I may have written a week, a year or two before. So it really just depends on like where the songs sit and our timeline and how they all come together to really put it out the album. But yeah. So talk a little bit, Marcus, about the schedule, because I would imagine that your schedule has to be on the grueling side. Talk a little bit about how and when you decide to go on tour and 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 is there some place that you have not been that you are just dying to go? <laughs> um catnaps. Keyword <laughs> catnaps. Seriously. Like you gotta you gotta have catnaps. Like in order to make it I don't think um a lot of artists and musicians sleep regular hours anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you can when you have uh, breaks here and there, but once you start touring and hitting the road, you have to put in your mind, I'm not going to get sleep and I cannot let that bother me. Like most people, if you don't get sleep, you know, you get cranky or whatever. So you have to mentally prepare like, all right, we're going to be touring. We're going to be doing this. We're going to meet a lot of people. It's going to be trying to get here to A to B, you know, B to C. And we got to make things happen. I can't miss a flight because if I miss a flight, it's going to snowball into something else. And I'm going to miss this, that layover. So it's, there's a lot of things that happen, you know, with that and how you just handle it. You just prepare mentally uh, for it. <clears throat> touring. Is, um, for me, it isn't as busy as as it was when I was working with Prince and CeeLo. I'm still uh, still touring a whole lot, but now my schedule is mainly uh, Thursday through like Sunday mm-hmm. instead of going weeks at a time, which is great to me. I love that. <laughs> I think that's probably best way for people like me to tour because I have kids. I have two daughters. So it leaves my week open to be able to see them. And then I just work on the weekends. Okay. So I, I just think that's great. How old are your and kids? I, I still, you know, pretty much make the same amount of money. So it's like, I don't know how you work this out, guy, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> how old are your kids? Um, uh, seven and nine. Layla's seven. She just turned seven in uh, March, and then Carson's nine, and she'll turn ten in September. Oh, you have young children, so okay. Yeah, that's nice. Well, do they they know what you do, right? Like they understand what you do, they like what you do. Do they influence what oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Do they say, uh, Dad? I, mean, I want you to sound. I want you to do. Do you see what Drake is doing over there? Why don't you you know do some of that? Do they do that? No, they don't really tell me. No, they don't, they don't do that. They don't tell me to do, you know, stuff like that. They'll listen to what I have. And I'll say, so what do you think about that song? How did it make you feel? And they'll explain in detail. More so Carson, you know, she's older and she uh, has a different understanding of music. than Layla, Carson definitely analyzes the song. She says, well, Dad, you know, it made me feel happy. It made me think. You know what I'm saying? What did it make you think about? You know, just about like life and emotions and love. <laughs> oh, like, she's deep. Were you loving at the time? Oh. Yeah, she's like she's get she gets deep. Oh my you know, goodness! Or that, like you sound you sound like you were in a good place when you wrote that. Were you in a good place? Like she's like, are you trying to be like a psychiatrist right now? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you were in a good place, Dad. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, but. A lot of this, I, all this that I'm doing is is for them. I'm trying to build an empire and to build a legacy because they are my legacy. So I'm trying to leave a legacy with them. And that's why I got into like, you know, writing more music, putting out more music, um, and then putting out the whole coffee thing. You know, that's how I got into 
uh, having my own coffee company because like, hey, well. So that's a real what thing. Else, else the coffee people? company is a real thing. It's just not a CD of songs about coffee. <laughs> this is a real yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. People, yeah, people are like, <laughs> oh, the coffee's real. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, I did six months of marketing and advertising talking about coffee. That wasn't like a hoax. Like, what, I don't even know why people still ask me to this day. Oh, so that was a real thing. You thought I did six months of videos and photos and all the stuff and just put it out just to put out an album? Yeah, you know, we, I just thought you was that. just committed to the, to the, <laughs> I thought you just committed to the, to the, you know, to the craft of creating something authentic. <laughs> I had no well, idea I mean, it was like, real I mean, coffee. If you're going to do something, you got to commit. You got to commit 100%. You got to go all the way. You know, and I guess that's people thinking like, I guess I joke a lot too. So it's hard for people to take me serious because I'm always joking. Because so there, like, is, a C- there is a CD called Coffee and Coffee or, right? It's, yeah, and, yeah you, and Coffee, yeah. And and it and it has all the songs are homage to Coffee of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's uh, pretty cool, I have, Marcus. I, I, I decided, I mean, I put out my own coffee line with the CD. You know, I just figured it was something that everybody loves and probably would enjoy music too. I like and it was that's cool. I like that a lot. I had, I did not make the connection. I just thought, okay, well he's made, he's a re, he's really committed to this coffee CD. So <laughs> that's cool. Oh yeah, and it's crazy. Like and, and the co- it's not like oh you got a little coffee. No, this is the best coffee you would ever taste. Like I can say that I've tasted a lot of coffee. And the only place that I've been to that has given me a run for my money with my coffee has been in Japan. I went to Japan the other week, and they had some of the best coffee. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, that's right. I saw the video of you talking about their coffee, right? I think you shot a little bit of Facebook Live Mm -hmm. with the coffee. And I was like, okay, Japan. Man, that coffee was good. Like, I was like, ooh, this thing, this thing. I couldn't get enough of it. It's like every sip was like the first one. And I just kept looking at the cup. And the band was looking at me like, man, you really like that coffee? I'm like, man, you just don't understand. Well, they do do they do nice, uh, they do great, amazing whiskey too. They do. They mm. have a real commitment to whiskey they, and um, oh wow and bourbons, which they can't call them bourbons, but they have a oh, real wow, yeah. um, they have a real fine craftsmanship of whiskey. So, so if you're ever back there again, or if you're here. Go someplace and have some Japanese whiskey, and you'll be you'll be equally I'm impressed. I'm telling you this: I'm definitely gonna go and try some ramen because <laughs> <laughs> they're ramen. Oh, you have to have yeah, the real ramen, thing. like not that mess that you buy in the grocery store. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. Yes, I real. had bowls of ramen over there. Yes, I had bowls of ramen. Like, no, nah, keep it coming. Like, in <laughs> in one sitting. Like, no, nah, give me, yeah, give me another. Yeah, I want more. Like, yes. More ramen. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> well, good. Well, then I'm sure. Like, more, was that I'm... your first visit to Japan? Was that your first time? It, it was. It was my first visit to uh, Osaka and Tokyo. So okay. I've never been to Japan. Uh, Want to go back? I must go back because I'm craving some more ramen. Yeah, go back. <laughs> some real ramen. Good. So now I know that you are a graduate of HBCU, North Carolina Central. Yes, yes ma'am. So talk about that experience, like. What was that like? Because I'm a graduate of HBCU too, and so those of us who graduated oh, cool. from HBCUs, we just have this unspoken bond about that experience, right? That we can't really articulate to people if you didn't attend HBCU. <laughs> right, right. Um, it was great because I'm gonna be real with you right now. I'm gonna be real with you. I grew up in a predominantly white 
uh, area. Mm-hmm. So going to an HBCU was a little bit scary for me. So because it's like I would be around uh, predominantly black people when that wasn't you know wasn't what I was exposed to. You know, I grew up in a black neighborhood, but you know I was a kid that kept to myself all the time. So going from uh, like a ninety percent white school to going to a ninety five percent black school, it was like all right, like the like there's been polar reverses here. Like just everything is different. So I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how to act. My style, my dress, how I looked, how I talked was very much different. Um, but it was a lot of people that had been exposed uh, or had been grew up the same way that I had. So we all kind of met and came together. And then, like, I learned more about, I guess, people mm-hmm. and how to operate with people and from different worlds and different environments. Mm-hmm. So it was actually, like, probably one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life because I wasn't just into one side of uh, the spectrum. I was exposed to so many different ones, and that's why I love going to different places now and seeing different worlds, you know, because I grew up that way. I got exposed to this way at HBCU, which I got an incredible education in. And then, you know, I'll go clear across the country and then have a similar situation to where I have to adapt. So adapting uh, was something I really learned uh, being at my school in North Carolina Central. And it gave me skills, you know, adapting skills to be able to, to you know, learn from different people and speak to different people from different facets of life. Okay, so listen, if you just tuned in, I'm Babs Rolls-Ivy, and you're listening to Love Babs, Love Talk, and I've got the great musician Marcus Anderson on, and you're listening to us on 103.5 WNHH-FM, and it's live streaming on the New Haven Independent, and if you have the TuneIn app, just look up Connecticut Local Radios and and you got us. So, yes, I got, you know, p- periodically I do need to shout that out. And so now I'd like to play a little bit of your music underneath this conversation. So we'll keep talking, but I want I want some of this music okay. to, p- to play underneath. So um, so now when did you graduate North Carolina Central? 2007. Okay, so so you're, you're a new, alum, new alumni. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About a decade. Yeah, guess, you know, new. About a decade. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We'll get 10 years in. All right. So now what song is this? What song is this, Harry? Olive Gold? Art of Gold. Off the... Oh, um, you playing Art of Gold. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you're going to edge it today. Well, All yeah. Right. You know that what? kind of morning. I got you. I got you. Yeah. You know, we edge it up in here pretty good. But though, it's pretty cool. We like it. So. so now what's the inspiration for this song? So I like... Uh, I like art. You know, and I like gold. But I, I, I think, <laughs> but no, but shit, and I'm not saying it'd be funny, but like, I love music. I love like music is art, and I believe music to be priceless. And, uh, and music is uh, something that you can't really put a dollar amount on. So mm-hmm. whenever we have to sell it, all right, something that's cool. But I love, uh, you know, just the art of music. So I just put it the art of gold because music is gold to me. So now, when you, I know you're here, you're going to be here in Connecticut on um, Friday. Is it Friday? Uh, Saturday. Saturday, and you're going to be at the uh, uh-huh. the local kitchen and beer bar. Have you been to Connecticut before? I have. I was um, in the Greater Hartford area last year. We did. I did the Greater Hartford Jazz Festival. Oh uh, yes, IG. yes. So I live in New yeah, Haven. That was great. 
so I didn't get a chance to get to the Hartford. Um, so I'm so glad that you're okay. um, close because I'm I'm planning to to be there um, to catch your show. So uh, and I know it's probably going to sell out. So, but you know I got the hookup, so I'm gonna be there and reserve my seat. And, oh yeah. Be right there, and hopefully oh, yeah. I'll get to meet yeah, you yeah. and they gotta talk go a little get bit more. Tickets, you know, for that. Oh yeah, yeah. We gotta have you there. So no matter what, sell out or not, we're gonna have you a seat. We gotta make sure you get in there. You <laughs> know, I'm getting so. in. I'm getting in. And so, so yeah. So that show is Saturday at the um, the local kitchen and beer um, restaurant, and uh, the tickets are on sale now. So get them. The doors open at seven. The show begins at eight, and it's one night only. <laughs> so go. Oh, so you are good. You are a singer. You yeah. are a singer. Everything that people say. Whatever. I mean, if every phrase everybody says is a song, you gotta sing it. You gotta you sing got it. To. You gotta sing it. You gotta sing it. Well, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing you at the local kitchen and beer bar on Saturday at. at and I will get there in time to sort of get my seat. And uh, so now, where do you go after that? So what's the what's the extent of this tour? Like, if people can't see you in Connecticut, where can they see? Because I've got listeners who are listening, zigzagging across the country, Seattle and J- New Jersey and California. So where where are you going after Connecticut? Uh, after Connecticut, I'm gonna go on tour with my with my daughters. We're gonna go and tour around uh, <laughs> <laughs> the East Coast for about a week. We all, we only got a week for spring break. But That's uh, no, all right. after that we we're, <laughs> we're doing um I'm doing the, the Dave Cos cruise in May. Oh so we'll we'll have rehearsal for that. So I get um I get a few spots on the cruise and Dave has been really, really cool about me coming on the cruise and he's very, been very accommodating. Probably one of the greatest individuals I ever met. And uh after that we have, you know, a few shows uh, actually, we do. We have a few shows here in Carolina. Uh, the beginning of, I'm sorry, the end of April here in Carolina. Then like, we go out on the Dave Cox cruise throughout May, pretty much. And then I come back and I like, get ready for Napa Valley with Brian Culberson. I'm playing that this year. He's a big fan. Um, of, he's a big Connecticut fan. Like they, we love him in Connecticut. Brian oh, Culberson. Oh yeah, well, Brian he's Culberson. Like, he you is. know, he's on a new album. So. Him and I have been working on music together. It's been pretty cool. And, you know, he brought me on the festival again, second year in a row. So that's mm-hmm. amazing. You know, Brian Coberson has been very helpful in my career, along with a lot of other people, too. Um, but um, California, doing Catalina Jazz Festival this year. Um, Jacksonville Jazz Fest, I'll be down there in Florida doing that this year. I'm doing a Prince tribute weekend, uh, Let's Go Crazy. That's happening uh, the weekend of his passing. Uh, April 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Uh, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're doing Greensboro, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, I'm just kind of spread out across, you know, the country and the globe throughout the year. And stuff still, you know, still keeps coming. You know, I'm planning to come to New York uh, and New Jersey and go out to Seattle and do some more stuff. And uh, for some reason, I want to go to North Dakota. I feel like there's something else there. I want to go there. <laughs> Big sky country. While it's warm, anyway. Yeah, while it's warm. So, all right, let's shift gears a little bit. So, give me a little bit of insight into your personal life. Like, what what do you do for downtime? How do you relax? How do you sort of um, retool yourself? Re- you know, um, rejuvenate yourself. Like, what do you do? What's your fun thing to do? And are you married? Are you single? Um, what do you do? 
What's happening? No, not married, still single. Um, my downtime, if I'm not creating music and I'm not with my daughters, I'm pretty much throwing on a pair of gym shorts, a t-shirt, some sneakers, and a ball cap, and I'm hopping on a bicycle, and I'm, I'm riding my bike trail for a good 10 to maybe 30 miles, depending wow. on how I feel that day. Oh, Lord. And I just cycle. <laughs> yeah, I just cycle. I put some music on. I make sure I have a full battery charge. I'll put on some music, and I cycle. I just ride, and I ride. You know, um, I kind of hang out at home. Um, I'm really kept to myself, believe it or not. Yeah. I know people go out, and they see me maybe at shows and they say oh man like you can tell he just loves being in limelight it's actually the exact opposite i love like being home alone mm-hmm. i love being you know able to enjoy the weather open up the windows and let the fresh air come in and let the sunlight just hit you know hit my house and it's just everything is amazing it's i love it i love it i love it being home i love being simple i love spending time with my family i love the beach i love uh wake up in the morning making a cup of coffee, enjoying that, letting that take me through the day. Uh, simple stuff. You know, I love hanging out with friends. I got friends here. And uh, it just, I love like normal life. I love getting up and going to the grocery store, buying my own groceries. <laughs> I love, you know, going, <laughs> right. oh, let me see if I can find, get a bargain sale. Ooh, okay. Oh, this is on sale. Like, I love stuff like that. It just, it, it, it feels, it feels, I don't know. It feels like I'm complete. Okay. When I do stuff like that, I love getting up and going to school and knowing that I have to go to like a uh, parent teacher meeting, you know, like, all right, to see what the progress of my kids are, you mm-hmm. know, in school, like stuff like that. I like on my time off. So I love being on stage. I love performing. I love doing all this great stuff. But like when I'm home, I love that home, normal, you know, suburban life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. I understand. So before I let you go, um, what is the thing that you want to be doing next? Like, what's the dream? I mean, I know you're living a dream now, but is there some other closely held dream that few know about that you want to step into? I'd say probably just still creating music. Um, I have other business uh, ideas that I want to try to do. Uh, like, uh, couple more business businesses i want to open up mm-hmm. um but i just want to continue to play music and like touch people uh, i believe my purpose here is for music but like through music i believe it's going to put me into other areas to where like, i can reach people uh i'd never be able to have a mentor program without my music i believe because that's what brought the attention to me and then that's what helped me understand you know well my journey and my story is something I could tell the other young people and help them and try to guide them in a path away of what they may want to do in music or business or just in anything. Because what I have and what I've done uh, with the music has been a template. And that template you can put on anything. You can mm-hmm. put it if you want to go and be a doctor, you know, because it's just really being efficient and being effective and being uh, uh, proactive on a lot of things. And it's just a template of life, you know, template of success. So it's not uh, based in just the music genres for anyone that wants to just be successful. Well, thank you, Marcus Anderson. This was a lovely conversation. I enjoyed this very much, and I'm looking forward to seeing you hitting Brantford at the local kitchen and beer bar. Um, The doors open Mm -hmm. at 7, people. The show starts at 8. I'm going to be there, so I hope to see you there. And 
We're going to jam with yeah. Marcus and have a good old time. Oh, we're going to jam. We gonna, I'm going I'm to I'm try to give him something. <laughs> you're going to come. You're going to yeah, bring your dancing shoes. Bring your dancing I'll shoes. I'll be ready. I'm coming. I'm coming. So, listen, enjoy the rest of your day. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. And uh, you know what? Have a, a wonderful day and enjoy your daughters and, you know, go easy. All right. I will. I'll, I'll try. What's go easy? I don't know what that is, but I'll try it out today. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, go easy. Don't let don't let anything stress you out, which I don't think anything does. You sound very sort of, oh, no. you know, you sound very sort of uh, self-actualized to the point where you're not, things don't don't seem to be twisting you up. So go easy for the no, day. Not at all. Yeah, I've got to be on that, so I'm good. <laughs> All right. Then I'll see you on Saturday. Thank you so much. Thank All you, right. Ed Tankis. Thank you I so know much. you're listening. Bye, man. I'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> Thank you, Harry. <laughs> so that's Marcus Anderson. He's going to be here Saturday at the um, local kitchen and beer bar. I'm going to be there. And uh, he's going to jam, and we're going to jam. And doors open at 7 o'clock. Uh, the concert is at 8 o'clock. Tickets are about $45. So come hang out. I mean, it's a Saturday night with the with the world class artist. So, and that's him in the background. So it's time for us to bounce up out of here, I guess. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'll be back tomorrow at nine o'clock. Tomorrow at ten o'clock, um, my my guest star pre recorded conversation with the Elm Shakespeare Teen Troupe. Um, they are putting on their production of The Tempest on uh, this weekend. And my daughter, Margot, you know, is the Shakespearean thespian, is in this production. So, y'all have a lovely, lovely day. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, something without warmth.
seems to know 